The title of the message is Surrender, and it's August 3rd, 2011. Um, there's, I've been listening to a new CD, Michael Gunther Band, and there's a song on there called Giving It All to Him. Have you listened to it? Oh, you forgot your CD. Um, it's pretty good. You know, it's about surrender, and so that's where I'm at. Um, so that's where I got the title from. Um, I... I feel like there, this is a word for somebody tonight and maybe more than one person, but um, there's pieces of you that you haven't surrendered to the Lord. And um, it's important that you do because he wants all of it. All of it belongs to him. Um, when you came to Christ, you surrendered your life to him. And it's not our, um, it's not our right anymore to hold any of it back. So... As we go through this tonight, I pray that you just have an open heart and listen to what the Spirit's telling you about your own heart. Examine it, all the dark and dusty corners. Make sure that whatever it is that He's bringing to your to your mind, um, illuminating to you, that you turn over to Him. So let's start at um, let's start with the Scripture. Let's go to First Chronicles twenty-eight. about to read is David's charge to his son Solomon. And I just want you to read this as Jesus' charge to you as, a, as his church. And you, my son Solomon, acknowledge the God of your father and serve him with wholehearted devotion and with a willing mind for the Lord searches every heart and understands every motive behind the thoughts. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will reject you forever. And that sounds kind of like a it, if or. If you seek him, you'll, you'll find him. But if you forsake him, he'll reject you. Forsaking him is anything less than wholehearted devotion. David was charging his son with being wholeheartedly devoted to the Lord. And how many of you know what happened in Solomon's life? He was not wholeheartedly devoted to the Lord. He asked the Lord. He was half-heartedly devoted. Right? He asked him for wisdom. God gave it to him abundantly. He had riches. He had power. He had wives. He had all of these things. But he didn't finish well. His life was not in wholehearted devotion to the Lord. So that's a call to us. That's a challenge to us. Um, okay, I know this is real serious. We're going to lighten things up here in just a minute. But I just feel like the Lord is, is serious about this too. So um, let's talk about surrender. What does surrender mean? Uh, surrender seems to indicate that there is a struggle, right? There's no need to surrender if you're letting go of it. But if you're holding on to something, surrender means to yield something to the possession or power of another. So what are some ways that we typically hear the word surrender? Anybody? Militarily, like in a war, you would surrender one side. Um, anybody else another way? Surrender? I surrendered to Jennifer in an argument. Yeah. <laughs> hey, what about your mortgage payment? You surrender money over each month, right? I'm surrendering something to the possession of another. Okay. Um, here's some synonyms. Give us a little fuller picture of it. Abandon, which seems to suggest leaving behind. Submit. That's to do with authority. Um, abdicate. 
which is, we'll get into that in a second, uh, bend. That's some flexibility, right? You can't be rigid and have your own way. Jennifer's in here. Hi, Jen. <laughs> um, capitulate. That's a big word, right? Everybody knows what capitulate means. I'll go into that in a second. Entrust. Entrust. That sounds a lot like what we do with Jesus when we surrender to him. We entrust our lives to him. Renounce. Doing away with old ways. Okay, so let's look at some of these a little further. Yield. Uh, like when you go to a yield sign, you let someone else go. So that's like to give up, relinquish. Um, to give is due or required. So that seems to indicate there's some authority needed there when you yield. You yield into a higher authority because it's required. But this is my favorite part. It also means to produce a return, like in a crop. Like you would um, plant a field and you would yield 30, 60, 100 fold, right? So that seems to um, say to me that God's not looking for us to yield just so he can be the big boss. He's looking for a return. Abandon. To leave completely and finally. So what's in your heart right now that you haven't left completely or finally? Is there unforgiveness? You've said you've forgiven that person. You've forgiven that situation you haven't left it completely and finally. What about the next part? Forsake utterly. When you say your wedding vows, you forsake all others for this person utterly. So did you forsake your former life when you came to Jesus utterly? Are you still kind of clinging to some of the things that you liked about it? It also means to yield without restraint. There's no struggle in abandonment. Abandonment is willing. There's one of the big words, abdicate. I like this word. It's fun to say, abdicate. It means to renounce a throne, right, power, claim, or responsibility, especially in a voluntary manner. So if you're a king and you're going to abdicate your throne, this is not what happens when a country comes in and invades you and takes over and you have to give it up. This is, I abdicate my throne to so-and-so. This is a willing, a voluntary thing. I renounce my position of authority and let someone else come in and take headship of that. Does that not sound like what we do with Jesus or what we're called to do with Jesus? To abdicate the throne of our lives? And capitulate. Capitulate means to surrender unconditionally. It means it doesn't matter what the circumstances are or why you think you need to hold on to whatever it is that you're holding on to. Capitulate... um, it comes from a, rat, a Latin root word, uh, like we use in capital, you know, and it means the head. So capitulate, think of it this way, cutting off the head, replacing it with Christ's head. An unconditional surrender, regardless of circumstance. So I made up my own definition of surrender. I like this one better. It's long, but I like it. <laughs> okay. To turn over the throne of my life to the possession and control of the one to whom it is due, without regard to condition or circumstance, and make him Lord over me completely and finally. Lord means owner and controller. Utterly forsaking my own ways in order to produce a return for his investment. Mm. 
we can so easily get caught up in the process of being born again and being saved as this one time, this total transformation, and we forget that this is every day in every situation. This is in the little things. This is in your financial decisions. This is in your life choice decisions. This is in your um, choice of who you hang out with, who you date, um, how you raise your children. I go as far as to say what you cook for dinner. I know that sounds silly, but I turn over those decisions to the Lord, and my family is blessed because of it. Um, when I give the little things to him and honor him in the little things, what, I, what grocery store he, he tells me to go to, I follow that and I go to that and I'm blessed because of it. I'm not going to take the chance of walking in disobedience because his peace doesn't follow me there and I'm addicted to his peace. Oh, yeah. I'm not going to leave that. So this is not just big decisions. This is little things. Okay, so what surrender is not? Let's look at some antonyms. I promise it's going to get better in just a minute. Y'all just trudge with me for a minute. I'm just laying the groundwork. Okay, so what surrender is not? Cherishing. When you cherish that little piece of whatever it is, it's just so kind of holding on to it. You really like it. You like it. You cherish it. You know Jesus has told you, turn it over to me. But you cherish it. It's mine. I'm going to keep it. Or you defend your territory. He's trying to get into this part of your life. And you, ah, I'm not ready for that yet. I'm going to stay right here because I'm just not ready. Um, keeping, like if you're withholding something from him, you're withholding some honesty with him, some confession that you need to make. Pursuing. Uh, pursuing your own ideas. Pursuing your own passions. Pursuing your own way. Pursuing your own decisions. We gave that up at the cross. We don't have a right to pursue our own ways, our own passions, what we feel passionate about, what we feel drawn to. It's not yours. It's not your life anymore. Retaining. Um, you can't retain control. It's, uh, this is, Eric preached a lot of this Sunday, and it really, um, it was good. It was a good word. Um, going out of business sale, getting rid of everything. Not being in control of anything. Putting the fruit back on the tree. We weren't called to make these decisions for ourselves. It's Jesus who's in control. Surrender is not supporting your position. If you are defending your position, if you're defending the decisions you've made, but you know that they're not godly, then you're not surrendering to him. Okay, so let's go back. Oh, let's go to Matthew 16. All right, 1624. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world, yet forfeits his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? So in this little protection mentality we get into where we're just kind of reserving this little area that we don't want Jesus into, this is my area, I don't want you out of here, then, then we're trying to gain life, but we end up losing it. 
we end up missing the mark. We end up missing what he has for us because we're still retaining it. It's not wholehearted. And if you don't have your whole heart invested in the Lord, he doesn't want it at all. He doesn't want a piece of your heart. It's not going to stand muster. When you stand before him and he says, get away from me, I never knew you, or he vomits you out of his mouth because you were lukewarm, that's half-hearted. That's not just the Baptist down the street like we like to think, or the people that kind of say they go to church. No, this is you and me when we don't give all of our hearts to the Lord. We stand and we give an account for this because he's called us to it, and if we deny him that, which is already his, he bought it, then what answer do we have for him? We have none. Let's look at the tug of war that goes on. (coughs) Half-hearted, cherishing when we should be relinquishing, defending when we should be yielding. A lot of times when we get in that defensive mentality, we're defending ourselves against the authority God's put over us when we should be yielding to it. Keeping, you just got that little that little corner. You should be renouncing. You think of it that way, like um, usually you hear renounce. Ah, oh, renounce the devil. When I was 11 years old, I went to a spiritual church, and they were real, just like that full gospel, fired up. You know, um, King James, a whole lot of Christianese language going on, flowing from the pulpit, and it was intimidating to me. And they would say. You need to say, I renounce the devil. Like, you have to say that. And I thought, okay, if I say that, I'm saved. You know, and they said, if you ever get in a bad situation, plead the blood of Jesus. So I thought it was like a magic thing, you know. So I was going down a water slide one time, and it was one of those long, tubey water slides. And it was really long. And about halfway through, I started freaking out. I started um, really getting claustrophobic. I thought, oh my God, they've closed, what if they've closed the end and they've closed the top and I'm stuck in this water slide? <laughs> so, I'm like, I believe the blood of Jesus. I believe the blood <laughs> Thinking, okay, well, I'm going to pop out now. And no, it kept going and kept going. I thought, well, that didn't work. You know, I thought, I thought it was like this thing you say and Jesus comes in like a magic genie. Well, renounce, to me, it's kind of like that too. Like, oh, I'll renounce the works of the devil. I'm not, I'm not going to be into witchcraft anymore. Now, in this situation, renouncing is turning over what you have had ownership of and not going that way anymore. So it's a small, it can be a small thing. Pursuing. I pursued um, a hair bow business, as most of y'all know, and God blessed it, and it was good. But at one point, he was trying to take it from me. Was trying to, he was asking me to lay it down. telling me to lay it down. And I just thought, no, I'm really, you know, I mean, I've, I've been so blessed. And I'm going to just pursue it a little bit longer. And it was, he was at, you know, it was, it was a part that he wanted from me. So then it got to the point where he had to take it from me. He had to put me in a crunch situation. And I grieved over it because it had become part of who I was. And it was this thing that I had built. And I was pursuing my own way. And my heart became attached to something that was not his will. And so there was pain involved. When I could have just been in submission, I could have abandoned it when he asked me to. And abandonment is not with straining, right? It's without restraint. So it's not a struggle. When you're walking in the Spirit and you abandon something, then you're laying it down and it's not a struggle. I'm not saying, I'm not saying, I'm not saying that it doesn't hurt. I'm not saying that it won't be a struggle, but it's not um, a world of sorrow that comes upon you in, in relinquishing of it. 
Um, when we retain things, we should be abdicating that throne. When we are supporting ourselves like a, like a lawyer would defend himself, we should be capitulating, cutting off that head and replacing it with Jesus. So let's go back to that new definition. To turn over the throne of my life to the possession and control of the one to whom it's due without regard to condition or circumstance and make him Lord over me completely and finally, utterly forsaking my own ways in order to produce a return for his investment. So before we get into the next section, I just want to stop and I just want to take a moment for you guys. Just, let's just pause and um, let's examine our hearts. We know that the throne of our lives belong to Jesus. But what condition or circumstance is prompting us to hold on to that peace? What have we not let go completely and finally? What are we still walking in our own ways? What area of your life are you still walking in your own way? Because that will not produce a return. Is this message for anybody tonight? Because it's for me, so I appreciate y'all listening. It was just for me. <laughs> okay, let's do something fun. Let's talk about God's creation. Because I like to talk about God's creation. It's beautiful. Okay, so this is our solar system. All right. Do y'all see my little mouse? Oh, good. It showed up. Okay, do y'all, who knows the solar system? Do y'all remember the solar system? Do y'all know that Pluto's not a planet anymore? It took away its status. It's an um, it's an object. I forget what they call it, but it's not a it's not a moon. It's not a planet. It's just one of the. It's just a rather large object. What's it called? A dwarf planet. I mean, that's a demotion. That's pretty sad. Okay. So, what is our uh, what's our first planet? Anybody know? Mercury. Then we have Venus, Earth. Okay. See around Earth, we got. We, I don't know what that is, but that's our moon. We only have one moon. Okay, and so this is Mars, and then we have an asteroid belt, and we have our giant, Jupiter, Saturn, and Neptune. Okay. So we're going to talk about Jupiter. (laughs) Uranus. Uranus. So let's talk about Jupiter and her moons. Matt and I were watching um, a science program the other night. I've never heard this. This is new to me. And um, I just learned the planets in the school. I never learned about the moons. We didn't get that far. We had a lot to cover. So we didn't get that far. But did y'all know Jupiter has a lot of moons? It has more than four, but these are the main moons. These are the largest moons. And Jupiter was named after Greek mythology. Jupiter is the same as Zeus. So in their eyes was the supreme god. And so they named the four moons after Zeus's wives. So right here, our little one is Europa. This is Io. We have Ganymede. Okay, that's how you pronounce it. And Callisto. There won't be a test. Don't worry about it. Okay. So when we look at these four moons, let's play the little game that they used to play on Sesame Street. One of these things is not like the other. One of these things. Is the okay, which one do y'all guess? Which one do y'all think? This one? Yeah, yeah. That's like, none of them look different. I don't know. <laughs> yes, we're going to talk about Io. Yes, it's different. It is very different. These others just kind of look like typical moons, right? But Io doesn't. It doesn't look like a moon. 
So here, here's a um, close-up of them. Let me get to my notes. Okay, so standard moons, right? You see pock marks on them from asteroids hitting them, just like our moon is pretty cratered up. This little one down here is quite a bunch of lines and stuff. It's not quite as pocked as the other ones because the other ones um, draw the asteroids in through gravity. Anyway, no big deal. Okay, so, but um, Io is not pockmarked. It's actually kind of pretty. Some people say it kind of looks like a pizza. Show you all a picture in a second where it's really pretty. Um, where most moons are cold and lifeless, okay, they're all lifeless, there's no life, but when we're talking about activity, things going on on a moon, most of these moons are cold and lifeless, right? They're icy, they're out there by Jupiter, they're past the asteroid belt, there's not a whole lot of heat going on from the sun. Moons don't generate their own heat very well. It's, isotope decay and stuff. I mean, it's all boring stuff. Okay. But Io is different. Io is full of heat. Io is full of volcanoes. Do y'all know that it is the most geologically active object in our solar system? Like more than Mars? Right close. Wait, which one's closer? Mercury's. Mercury's closest to the sun? Okay, I would think Mercury would be more geologically active. By geologically active, I mean volcanoes, magma, those, that kind of stuff. Okay, so why is this moon out in the middle of this frozen landscape so active? See how pretty it is? <laughs> Doesn't it look like our boring moon. Wouldn't that be pretty if you were sitting out with your sweetheart and you looked up in the sky and saw this moon? He's so pretty. <laughs> okay, so there's several reasons why Io is different, and I'm going to explain to you how that relates back to surrender. I promise for this is not two different messages. We're not in, in school. Okay. Io has an elliptical orbit. So where most orbits are round, this is the status quo. I go around, go around Jupiter in a circle. Io is elliptical. So sometimes it's close and sometimes it's far away. So I'll explain how, uh, what difference that makes in just a second. But let's look at Noah, because Noah is a scriptural example of um, this physical principle. So let's go to Genesis 6.5. Okay, Genesis 6, 5. The Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become and that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all of the time. And let's skip down to 9. This is the account of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked with God. So it sounds like he had a different walk than the status quo, right? All the other things are going in a circle, just doing what moons are supposed to do. Men are sinning, sin are sin. But Noah was different. Noah was going against the flow. So his life, and surrender in, in Noah's life, this is what it looks like. doesn't matter what everyone else is doing. It's wrong. God's called me to something different. Okay? So this is why it matters. Jupiter is huge, right? So it has this huge gravitational pull. And when Io is close to Jupiter in its rotation, it has a tidal bulge, just like the moon pulls on our water and 
um, the tides rise and the tides fall. Well, it's so close to Jupiter, and Jupiter's so strong and big and massive that it pulls the land. And it, the tidal bulge is 300 feet. I don't know if that makes a difference to you guys, but let me tell it to you like this. On our Earth, the biggest tide there is is 18 feet? 60 feet. Okay, 60 feet of water. That's water. Eight inches of ground. That's the biggest tidal pool on our, on our Earth. But on, on Io, it's 300 feet. And the rotation of Io only takes 42.5 hours. So where we take 365 days to go around the sun, only takes Jupiter, I mean Io, 42.5 hours to go around. So in that time period, it's going 300 feet large, back down to normal. 300 feet large, back down to normal. Two times. So everybody rub your hands together. Start rubbing your hands together. What happens? Heat, right? Movement produces heat. Produce, okay, movement produces friction, which produces heat. <laughs> okay, so why is that important? That's where Io gets its volcanic activity from. I'll show you what that looks like. It's pretty cool. This is Io. Do y'all see that thing erupting? That's lava. And it's shooting 100 miles into the air. On a moon. This is a moon. I mean, they took this from Earth. They took this picture from Earth. You could see this. So friction in Io's life looks like active life, right? Things are going on here. So what does friction do in your life? Let's go to James 1. I don't like to be irritated. I have a hard time with that. There. I'm pretty impatient. There. I'm easily angered. There. Right, kids? Y'all can testify to that. <laughs> okay. So, James 1-2. How are we supposed to surrender that part of our life? Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. And perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. So all this volcanic activity does something really pretty to Io. We'll get to that in a second when we get to the, the surface. But uh, uh, that's, that's pretty interesting. Let's get down to 12. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial, because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. So when we resist, we're denying ourselves the crown of life that God's promised. Right? If we persevere under trial, verse 2 said, the testing of your faith develops perseverance. So if we're kicking against the trial, I don't like these circumstances going to grumble a little bit. I'm going to try to manipulate things so I don't have to be in this crucible. Don't like it. You're not going to develop perseverance. Perseverance can't finish its work. And the, the finishing of that work is the crown of life that God's promised you. Let's go to Psalm 119.67. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now I obey your word. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. So when things were going good, everything was fine. There was no friction. 
I'm just one of a status quo moves in my little circle, doing everything I'm supposed to do. But he went astray. When he became afflicted, when things got hard, when the movement started to happen, the friction started to happen, the heat started to build up, and all this activity starts taking place in your heart and your soul, your mind, God's transforming things in there. Now I obey your word. Why do we need that? God's designed us that way. We're, we're not good when things are good. I'm not good when things are good. It's like you get to that mountaintop, everything's good, but it's almost kind of like you feel kind of, you're on shaky ground. Things are so good, when's the bottom going to drop out? But you find your heart kind of, I don't really have to open my Bible today, I'm kind of busy. You know, I don't, I don't really have to talk to the Lord about this. I, I kind of know what He wants me to do in this situation, it's okay. Alright, I forgive that person, it's alright, I'll just let that go. I'll just let it go. I don't need to talk to him about it. We go astray when things are good, but when things are hard, when we're afflicted, when the trials come and we're screaming out, Jesus, where are you? Okay, so why does... Let's talk about uh, some more characteristics of Io. <clears throat> Io's core is made of iron. So if it was icy and rocky like other moons, all the stretching and pulling would just pull it apart. But what happens is all that friction, it heats up that iron core. Anybody ever touch an iron pot or an iron skillet? Yeah. <laughs> you know it retains heat. Okay, so it's able to. So it kind of looks like Iowa was designed for this. It wasn't designed just to be a rocky, dead, orbiting moon in some solar system that somebody will forget about. No, he's doing things, changing things. He's affecting his environment. He looks different. He walks different. He goes against the status quo. This reminds me of Paul's life. Let's go to Galatians 1. What does surrender look like in Paul's life? Galatians 1.11. I want you to know, brothers, that the gospel I preached is not something that man made up. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. I was advancing Judaism beyond many Jews of my own age and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But when God, who set me apart from birth, called me by his grace and was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles. I did not consult any man. I didn't talk to the apostles or anything like that. I just did what God did. Okay, so surrender in Paul's life is he's on the right road, right? He's heading the wrong direction. And when confronted with the truth that he was set apart from birth to proclaim God's message, but he's been going about it the wrong way, surrender in Paul's life looks like a teshuva. So how do we react when we've been doing something this way for this long and God confronts us with the fact that we're doing it wrong? But well, we kind of don't want to change. We don't want to surrender because I've wasted all this time. I felt like that with um, Matt and our marriage at, at one point. We were married about five years and got the truth smacked in my face that I've been doing, going about things really wrong authority wasn't right in our relationship. 
and I, I grieved over the fact that I had wasted five years of my marriage. And Eric and Jen kept encouraging me, yeah, but you can get it right today. Start today and get it right now. And I couldn't, I couldn't let go of that. It's like, no, I, I, I can't be wrong because that means all this time's been wasted. That's not surrender. Paul had, was probably in his 30s at this point, And the Lord gets his attention and he says, why are you kicking against the goats? So he's been trying to get his attention all along, right? He's called from birth, set apart from birth, like this, like this moon, designed to act a certain way, and he's going about it all wrong. So God has to provide goads in his life, and he's kicking against him. He's resisting. So Jesus has to blind him and give him a revelation to get to him. So if, that, if it's come to that point in your life, don't resist just because you feel like I've wasted this time. Start today. Today is the first day of the rest of your life. Don't stand before Jesus and have to answer for why you didn't turn when you were confronted with repentance. Okay, so let me show y'all something else. Now I'm kind of jumping. I promise this all makes sense. My head at least. Okay, the cores of the other moons, right? I told you most moons have an icy core. The four moons around Jupiter... This one right here, this first one, this is Io. There's the iron core. Look, how many other moons? I see two other moons. There's three moons out of four that have that iron core. So why isn't Europa producing life like Io is? And why isn't um, Ganymede producing life? They're just because they're not in the right orbit, right? God's called Io to the special orbit that doesn't look like anybody else. But these other two, looks like they were called to do something else. They have an iron core, but they're not doing anything with it. They're just going to be, I'm just going to do things like, it's okay. If I don't know, then Jesus won't ask me about it. It's all right. I'm just going to do this. If they didn't tell me not to do it, then it's okay if I do it. Okay? This last moon down here doesn't have an icy core, so this kind of reminds me of the four soils, right? One heard the word, didn't even receive it, didn't even land. The other three, it took root, but two of them didn't last, and only one made it. I just think that's beautiful. I mean, God's got this in His creation. And nobody knew about this until the 70s. Nobody knew about these moons. I mean, you know. God had to speak to them in different ways, I guess. Now he can speak to us through advanced science. <laughs> I know I'm a geek. I'm sorry, God. I just really like, I, I think this is neat. Okay, so let's look at the surfaces of these moons. Okay, we talked about the first three, Io, Europa, Ganymede. Those are all the ones with the iron cores. Look at this last one. It's, that's probably the most damaged, wouldn't you say? Got the most scarring all over it. But these others are less damaged, still pretty damaged. And when you look at Io, it's beautiful. It's smooth in places. All of this red and this yellow, that's volcanic, the lava flow. Not that it doesn't get hit by asteroids. Of course it does. Offenses come. But the change in the life that's going on in, on the inside bubbles up to the surface and covers over it and fills in all those places. And so it's continually being healed by the internal changes going on. Good word. So what happens when we're resisting those changes? What if you're Europa? 
looks like it got smoothed out at one point. Maybe it was producing and it just kind of, it's not working for me. I kind of like the status quo. I kind of like where I was. Or I'll, I'll go this far with you, Jesus, but don't push me anymore because this is where I'm comfortable. I don't want to look different from anyone else. I don't want to have to go to that place in my heart that, that hurts. That's a scar. When all the while Jesus is trying to produce that friction and that change as a salve for those scars to heal you. And you're resisting. You won't relinquish. Okay, so here's something beautiful about Io. Another something. Oh, we didn't do Romans 5. That's okay, let's get back. Uh, the stripping of Io. This looks like a pretty complicated diagram, I know. <laughs> okay, the white ring is Io's orbit around Jupiter. What happens is, as Io is spewing all that volcanic activity into the air, 100 miles in the air, we talked about 100 miles, I mean, that's really far. 100 miles into the air, spewing all of that. The magnetic field on Jupiter is stripping that material away from Io and bringing it to itself. And it's stripping it at a rate of one ton per second. And that's a lot of material being stripped. You would think that Io like last a couple days, right? <laughs> and then there would be no more. It's stripping away the flesh of Io. And you know what it does to Jupiter? All this volcanic ash and all this stuff that's in the air? And it produces an aurora. Have y'all heard of the aurora borealis in yeah. the northern? We don't get to see it down here. It's this beautiful display, this glowing glory, if you have, over Jupiter. It's this beautiful thing, and it's caused by the stripping away of flesh from Io. So the scripture illustration, I, I can't think of a better one, is Jesus. Let's look at John 4, 34. Jesus said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. So that's, that's what's been asked of him. To do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. When he goes into the garden of Gethsemane, we talked about this Sunday, and he says, I don't really want to do this. I don't really want to do this. This is literally stripping away my flesh. And I've sacrificed my life, and I really would rather do something else. Is there any other way that we can accomplish this? But okay, I will. I'll do it. I'll surrender to you. He surrenders his will to do the will of his Father. Philippians 2 6. Y'all don't have to go there. I'll, I'll read it to you. Okay, Philippians 2 6. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. So he didn't take advantage of his authority in that situation. He surrendered it. He abdicated it. But made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on the cross. So what does that produce? What does Jesus' surrender produce? Verse 9, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, 
to the glory of God the Father. To the glory of God the Father. So look at this. This is the aurora that it produces. It's a crown. It's a crown on Jupiter's head. The stripping away of the flesh of Io makes a crown for Jupiter. And I think that speaks to us, right? The stripping away of your flesh brings glory to God. First Peter 1. Oh, really quiet. I'm sorry. It's really heavy, huh? First Peter 1, 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So the next child you're going to pull the scripture out and say this. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. And into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. That's good news. I mean, none of us deserved any of this. In this, in the, this good news, you greatly rejoice. Right? So we've got to actually rejoice in it. Though now, for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials, stripping away of your flesh, looking different than everyone else, repenting when you need to. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. This is the picture I see in my mind. Oops, let's go back. Praise, glory, and honor. All the trials, all the frustrations, all the friction, all the circumstances I don't like, the areas I don't want Jesus to touch or heal or talk to me about, I just want to keep to myself, but when I give it to Him, this is what it produces. So what does surrender look like in your life? Romans 6.13. We're going to relinquish do not offer the parts of your body to sin. <laughs> Surrender them as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. When your flesh wants to sin, remember you have been brought from death to life, not from any good thing that you did, not because you deserved it, but because of God's mercy. Do not offer the parts of your body to obey sin. Instead, offer the parts of your body to Him as instruments of righteousness. That's what your body is to be used for, an instrument of righteousness. Sin shall not be your master because you are not under law, but grace. Grace, mercy, unmerited favor. He's given that to you. You don't have a law anymore. So you owe it to Him to be an instrument of righteousness. So let's look at James 4, 7. Okay. 
James 4, 7. This is the little um, formula we put to work when the devil's tempting us or frustrating us. We just say, okay, let's do James 4, 7. Submit yourself to God. Resist the devil and he'll flee. Okay, ready? It's going to work. Kind of how my kids expect it when we explain it to them. It's a whole process. Submitting yourself to God. That's surrendering to God, right? When submit, one of the um, synonyms of surrender. So if there's a part of you that's not submitted to God, guess what? You can't resist the devil and he won't flee. You want the, the scripture to work for you? You want it to be a formula? Submit yourself to God. Okay, Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. I have that next to renounce. So renounce the throne. Give it up. I no longer live. Christ lives in me. I don't have a right to my own opinions or feelings or emotions. I no longer live. Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set... Uh, okay, let's stop there. Um, let's look at Colossians 3. Since then, oh boy, there's a whole lot of, this is why, a whole lot of reminders, right? Why we should do this. It's kind of convicting. Should be, should be convicting to me. Since then, you've been raised with Christ. Raised. I was raised out of a miry, disgusting, filthy pit that I dug for myself. I was raised. I didn't deserve to be raised. Most of the time Jesus was drawing me, I stiff-armed him and I pushed him away. I put him off. And yet, he raised me up. And he's raised you up out of the pit you were in. So we're going to set our hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. So we're not going to set our hearts on the life that we thought we were going to get or the things we thought we were going to get, or the ways that we thought it was going to go, or my way. We're going to set our minds on things above, not on earthly things. We're not going to be concerned with this world. For you died. You died. Everybody said, I died. I died. I died. I died. Your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with Him in glory. Praise God. Healed. Galatians 5. Can we just get Galatians 2? I'm sorry, we're going back. 5.16. Okay, we all know this, right? Fruit of the Spirit. A lot of times we say fruit of the Spirit is, um, you need to work on your fruit of the Spirit, you need to be producing fruit of the Spirit. And like Eric likes to say, you never walk by a tree and hear the tree straining to produce fruit. Okay, today I'm going to work on goodness. But be really, really good, and I'm going to be really, really kind, and I'm going I'm to produce this fruit. It's not really what they're saying here. Let's start in verse 16, because so, so often we want to start in verse 22, but let's start in verse 16. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. 
For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict. It's that tug of war with each other, so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under law. Okay, so if these things are true, if you are living by the spirit, the fruit is a natural production that comes out of that. This is not something you have to strive to attain. This is a complete surrender to the Spirit leading your life. Then, out comes the fruit. Okay, so what is not fruit? If you're seeing these things in your life, let's read this little nasty section, then you know that you're not being led by the Spirit. There's still some area that you need to surrender. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality. Impurity. Impurity, that's a tough one because what we can say sexual immorality are these things, and I can miss them. But what's impurity? Is there an impure part of your life? You have impure thoughts, impure attitudes towards someone? Debauchery. A lot of times this is um, like a lot of people think drunkenness, that kind of stuff, not being sober. It's, it's lustfulness. It's indecency. Idolatry. That's a real obvious thing that, that you would need to surrender, right? What, what's in your heart? It's not God, it's idolatry. Witchcraft. I don't think many of you are lighting candles out there and doing seances, but let's replace witchcraft with the other word it's known as. Rebellion. Rebellion. So there's a proper flow of authority that God has set up, and if you're rebelling to that, then you need to surrender. Hatred. Hatred. <laughs> discord. Are you sowing seeds of discord? And then you're going to pray for a crop failure. Jealousy. I don't know about you guys, but I know ladies, we struggle with this one. And it's not like, in all that, I want the car she has. I mean, I think most of us are past that kind of stuff. But it's the jealousy of, why does she get to do that? How come her life looks different than mine? When God's called you to be in elliptical orbit and called her to be whatever he called her to be, but he's called you to be this, and you don't like it, you like what someone else has. And so you're not going to reach your potential. Fits of rage. That's me. I'm working on it. Selfish ambition. That's that pursuit of your dreams, your ideas, your goals, your plans, your life. It's my life. I've heard people say this a lot lately, and some of them minute. We had a discussion on Facebook about tattooing. I thought I would just stir the waters a little bit and ask people what they thought. Um, and so a lot of people said this. Well, it's between me and the Lord. And I agree, it is between you and the Lord. But are you just using that as a cover-up? Because I don't want you to look into my life. It's between me and the Lord, that decision. Really? Then why does it look so carnal to me? Why, why is it carnal? Why is your life mostly carnal, but it's between you and the Lord? Hmm. Dissensions. It's kind of like when you get together in a group and decide you don't like the authority above you. Factions. Uh, Anybody seen a wedge? JJ probably uses this in his 
woodworking and stuff, you use a wedge to drive between something to split it. Maybe you want to split a piece of wood. That's what a faction is. Envy. There's, uh, there's, I, I guess there's a difference between jealousy and envy. I don't know. They both stink. <laughs> Drunkenness. Yes, he's talking about being drunk on alcohol. He's also talking about not living, living a sober life. Being so consumed with a video game, or so consumed with Facebook, or so consumed with that TV show you like to watch that it's clouding your judgment. Orgies and the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Okay, like some of those, I get, right? Orgies, sexual impurity, I get that. Killing people, not going to inherit the kingdom of God. But what about selfish ambition? Jealousy. Not going to inherit the kingdom of God? That scares me. Because I fly into fits of rage. I'm being honest with you guys. I'm going to lay myself bare before y'all because I want to be held accountable. I fly into fits of rage sometimes and I don't want to. And I'm trying to surrender that part of my life over to the Lord. Because I do not want to stand before Him and say, you can't inherit the kingdom. You're, you didn't surrender. So what does it look like when our lives are surrendered to the Lord? Love. Action word. Love. Not a feeling. Love. An action word. Joy. Despite your circumstances. Joy. Peace. Are you fluttering from this and this and this? I have a friend and she flutters from major idea to major idea. I'm going to do this with my life. Okay, six months pass. I'm going to do this with my life. And it's these huge decisions. And I think, that's not a life of peace. I mean, that's not a fruit of the Spirit. Peace is not just everybody's calm and the house is quiet, which would be nice. But it's not. It's not that. Peace. God is not chaotic. God is peaceful. Patience. Sometimes all it takes is a deep breath. It really does. Just a deep breath. Dying to self. You know, Eric, he had a good point Sunday. Um, he's in this crucible, right? No sleep. And y'all, those who've had children, you understand that. That being woken in the middle of your sleep so often, and you kind of go a little crazy. And it puts you in that position where your flesh is really coming out. And he looked at it as a beautiful opportunity. That's awesome. I want to produce patience. I want to produce that. I really, really do. So God's given me plenty of opportunities to do it. And sometimes I get it right. Yay me. And sometimes I don't. Most of the time I don't. Don't get it right. Kindness. Gentle, gentle words. Goodness. Just doing what's good. Are you doing what's good? Is that what the fruit is that fruit coming from your life? Faithfulness. That's a hard one because we think that has to do with what we believe. Um, I'm faithful to Jesus. I still believe that he died on the cross. I'm faithful. The faithfulness is when he's called you to something and you finish it. You don't move until he's let you go. Gentleness and self-control. Against such things there is no law. So if my life is surrendered to the Lord, that's what it's going to look like. When y'all see me walking in patience, well, please pat me on the back. 
please congratulate me because that's a hard one for me. And tell me whatever you're struggling with and I'll encourage you because we need to encourage each other in this. It's hard to produce this fruit. But I want my life to be completely surrendered. I don't want to produce like two or three fruits and like that's good enough. I want to produce all of them because only all of them is complete surrender to the Lord. Okay, let's go to the last one. Psalm 143. I really like this one. Okay, this is this is David. This is David surrendering. This is him in full submission. Answer me quickly, O Lord, my spirit fails. He's not perfect. He can't do this in his own strength. He realizes that. Do not hide your face from me, or I will be like those who go down to the pit. Let the morning excuse me, let the morning bring me word of your unfailing love. For I have put my trust in you. Show me the way I should go, not my own way. For to you I lift up my soul. Now your soul is not your spirit. Sometimes we can like read over that real quickly and miss what God is showing to showing us right there. It's not I lift up my spirit to you. Yes, Lord's already saved your spirit. You're you're sanctified, okay? So it's your soul, which is your mind, your will, and your emotions. So Show me the way I should go because I lift up my mind, my will, and my emotions to you. That's surrender. Rescue me from my enemies, O Lord, for I hide myself in you. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. May your good spirit lead me on level ground. So what does he say over and over? Show me the way I should go. Rescue me. Teach me. Lead me on level ground. That's submission. That is not his own way. What does it look like again? It's the glory of the Lord right there. I think I'm going to put this up as a poster to remind me about submission in my life. Surrender to the Lord. So I'm going to um, I'm going to pray. I'm going to close this evening. I really didn't mean for it to be deep and heavy like this, but I think the Lord did. I think He might be speaking to your hearts about this and um, I just want to let you know that the altars are open to pray if you need to pray um, if there's something you need to surrender to the Lord don't wait don't put it off Jesus Lord Lord I love you and I love your word Lord it is instruction to me it is a light to my path Lord, and I love your creation because it sings of your glory. And Jesus, my desire is to bring glory to you. So Lord, I lay my heart bare before you right now. And I ask you to illuminate to me the places I have not surrendered. And I'm sure there are many, Lord. Be patient with me, Jesus, and help me out of this predicament I've caused for myself by clinging to things you've told me to let go of. Lord, show me in your word. Show me in your creation, Jesus. Speak to me by your spirit and lead me out of this dark place. I want all of my heart to belong to you, Jesus. As a bride belongs fully to her husband, Lord, I belong fully to you. I set my heart, I set my affection on you. I lift up my mind, will, and emotions to you, Jesus. Lord, I submit myself to you. I surrender everything in me to you, Jesus, to your Lordship in my life. 
and my desires to bring you glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Awesome message. You guys enjoy that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Me too. I'm proud of my wife. She's yeah. doing a great job. Uh, so many times I, I've watched her become stretched and uh, and put into an elliptical pattern of being near God's calling for and being far away. Being near and being far away. Sometimes it looked like this. It was a pregnant tummy and it came back yet. Yeah. Pregnant tummy. <laughs> I just kept going out and then come all the way back in. But I can truly say in the times when she has shined the most it has been when she has been stretched and pulled the most. And the the not so good kind of things come out. And you guys know. You know what it's like in your own home. Sometimes things are, are going great here. Sometimes they're not when you come to church. You can tell by the person's accounts as soon as they walk through the doors. That they're having something heavy or something awesome and uplifting has happened in their life. Our faces are a billboard of what our spiritual condition is a lot of times. And the reason that we come into worship, we worship first. You guys ever worried, uh, wondered about that? What is our, our, our standard? Why do we do that? It's because what worship forces you to do first is to surrender everything that's happening in your day or everything that's happened in your week. And getting past those first couple of songs that are rough and that's hard is the process of relinquishing everything that you're thinking, everything that you're feeling, and finally get into the presence of God that enables you to be stripped of what doesn't belong so that He gets the glory. Amen. Guys, I want to encourage you. If there's something that the Lord is dealing with you about, some area of your life that He is trying to strip away, I want you to feel free to come see me or Cass after the service, see Steve or Darnell, see any one of the Axe couples. That's JJ and Natalie. That's John and Joy. And that's Mike and Jim. Pull them aside. We are here to help you guys strengthen your walk with the Lord. But more importantly, to fully prepare you with everything that the Lord has called you to do. And what we have a lot of time on you know, Wednesdays and Sundays, uh, an hour and a half just isn't enough. You hear so many times you preach on Sundays and Wednesdays. You pastor all the other hours of all the other days. That's where it really occurs. So if you guys could stand on your feet. I want to bless y'all too. Can I do that? Yes. Y'all receive a blessing from the Lord? Yes. Come on. Amen. Well, come on. Y'all tired? No. I got about two-thirds of the room, one-third of the room back there. And that, mainly that was Bill. Yeah. Bill's full of energy. He's awesome. <laughs> come on. Hey, I thank y'all for your sacrifice of pouring into the Lord and being a listening ear that each one of you uh, have the opportunity to get up here and share your life with other people. Isn't that always a blessing? Yes. Amen. Amen. Lord God, I bless this group, Jesus. I pray that they're sending out when they walk through these doors, they're able to carry these words in their heart and it transform their very actions. Lord, that as you begin to twist and pull and shake and unveil the, the covered areas of our lives, that Jesus, we are able to see as we relinquish it to you, it gives you glory. May you get the glory from our weakness, Lord. 
and our strengths. Lord God, we submit those to you as well. So you're able to get the glory in that as well. Lord, once again, I bless this group. I bless the remainder of the week. And I pray that continually your presence be upon Gary Kinchin's room up at Willowbrook Mall, Jesus. Let your power fill that room. Let your words fill Eric's mouth as he's able to give encouragement, Lord. And this twisting, this pulling that's happening within Gary's body, Lord, result in one way or another of your mighty hand and your glory. In Jesus' name, we all say, Amen. Amen.